Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. I'm Michael Bull, and I appreciate you being with us. This segment is brought to you by Core.Green. Check them out. They kill 99% of COVID in 10 minutes. Visit Core.Green. Well, here we are at the beginning of April 2021. We've had almost a worldwide shutdown. Uh, office buildings for uh, the most part, I guess, the larger office buildings, especially with uh, elevators, the companies just have not been using them. Uh, lots of sublease space on the market, uh, rising vacancy. Um, what does it mean for the office market? What's really happening around the country? Uh, and what do we expect moving forward? Please welcome my guest. That's Michael Rochelle. He's director of U.S. Office Analytics with the CoStar Group. Michael, good to see you. Great to be back with you again, Michael. Well, Michael, you know, it seems like it's been just a little over a year now and people, companies are still afraid to, you know, have their their folks, or at least the larger companies, uh, back in the office buildings and have them together. But, you know, we've got a lot of vaccines rolling out. I think some people thought maybe the office market would turn a little bit after the elections or after the first of the year. Um, but what really happened uh, in the first quarter? What you guys see? Yeah, I think uh, that was certainly a lot of wishful thinking uh, that the uh, the simple turn of the calendar page would would lead to immediately uh, better times and, and prospects for the U.S. office market. But uh, that wasn't the case. As you know, the U.S. office market uh, never uh, changes on a dime. Uh, it takes time, especially with the long term 10 to 15 year leases. Uh, things don't change overnight like they can in a multifamily market or, or a hotel market with a one night lease. So uh, not completely unexpected. but Really, in the, in the first quarter, we saw much of the same uh, that we saw during the pandemic uh, over the course of the last year. Um, you know, in the first quarter, leasing uh, is looks like it's going to come in around 60 million square feet for the year, which is still about 40 percent, 40 plus percent below the levels that we've seen um, in 2019 and 2020. BC before COVID, if you will. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're still running significantly below. It, it seems a lot of firms are, are still in a wait and see mode in, in terms of uh, how fast these vaccines can get adopted um, and, and aren't in a hurry to make major decisions just yet. And, and in fact, we, we've seen a little bit of the opposite. You know, sublease space continues uh, to flood the market. Uh, in the first quarter, you know, we pushed past uh, 200 million square feet in total for the U.S. Uh, yeah, and that, that's an increase of about 80 million square feet from this time last year in 2020. So, um, and, and for further context, you know, normally uh, in pre-pandemic times, uh, the amount of sublet space was about 6%, call it, of the total available space on the market. And that's almost doubled now, where sublet space uh, accounts for about 12% of the total available space in the U.S. And, you know, it's really not limited to, to one or two markets. You know, New York uh, has seen an increase of about 11 million square feet of sublet space over the last year. San Francisco, L.A., Boston, Chicago, Seattle. So uh, it really spans geographies and, and coasts. Uh, I, I think, you know, what may be a little bit surprising, especially for people who, who aren't looking at the stats every day, as, as I do as part of my job, uh, but that absorption in the first quarter is on track to, uh, to post negative 50 million square feet. That's five zero. And that follows 2020 when we had a, a dip of 75 million square feet total for the year. So it, it's really almost a, a shocking drop in demand 
uh, that started the year. And, and clearly part of that uh, has to do with, with firms, um, you know, giving back space. You know, I think uh, it runs the gamut. Um, you know, it's, it's not just small firms that uh, were financially unstable that have been giving back space, but I'm, I'm sure we've all seen the announcements in the news you know, Target in Minneapolis giving up a million square feet in the downtown submarket. You know, in San Francisco, Wells Fargo, Salesforce, Uber, uh, giving back space. Uh, J.P. Morgan in New York has put up seven hundred thousand square feet for sublease. So, you know, it seems more and more firms are are going to at least attempt a hybrid uh, work model, uh, and it may not be across the board. You know, obviously, certain divisions within companies uh, just can't. Uh, you know, go remote for, for whatever reasons, whether it be regulatory or secure security, <clears throat> but for, you know, for some back office functions or, or other things, um, you know, that aren't essential to be in the office. It, it seems that, uh, that a lot of firms, you know, from, from your giants all the way down to, uh, to your smaller firms are, are going to attempt some sort of hybrid model. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see, um, those numbers are, are, are not interesting. Actually, <laughs> they are those negative numbers. I mean, have fifty uh, uh, million of negative absorption um, in one quarter compared to seventy-five last year. Uh, that's devastating. It's interesting though to see. Um, I sell office buildings. I lead a team that does that, and the larger buildings with the high and high rises, uh, central business districts, they're hard to sell, and investors are, are uh, apprehensive. Um, and you go in the buildings and, uh, it almost looks like a, you know, you're filming a movie. They're so empty. Why are they so empty? But, but on the other hand, when we see the smaller suites in suburban markets, um, and one and two story buildings, um, uh, these buildings are active, uh, tenants are in the spaces. It's like these smaller companies, uh, are not as afraid to, to, to get the people who want to come to the office and be there. Uh, to let them do it. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that, that kind of difference. Do you see anything in your numbers that indicate any difference in, in, in use or absorption or demand, suburban or smaller kind of B and C buildings compared to the high rises? Yeah, we, we really haven't seen uh, any noticeable difference in trends. You know, we, we did take a look at CBD in urban areas versus suburban areas in terms of absorption vacancy, rent growth, and, uh, you know, they've all been trending in the same direction. So, you know, I, I think it's interesting what you note about sales, um, you know, investment volume, you know, while it is down, you know, certainly in investors are out there still looking for yields. I mean, with treasury rates so low, you know, real estate is, can be, you know, uh, commercial real estate in the office sector can be an attractive proposition. I think what we've seen, and particularly on on larger asset trades across the country is that investors you know may be less willing to take risk but they're targeting top quality buildings that are fully leased to single tenant uh users on a long-term basis and when those assets are trading they're trading at pre-pandemic prices there's not a discount there you know you're essentially at that point buying a 15 20 25 year high yielding bond uh, because of the security there, you know, we haven't seen a, a lot of investors uh, looking to tackle value add deals right now. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, w we haven't seen a noticeable dip in pricing overall. Uh, and I think a that part of it is because uh, it's it's largely top quality assets that are trading. 
And also, we haven't seen the market flooded with distress uh, as of yet. So uh, there really hasn't been a need for many owners to sell at a discount. Yeah. And we're seeing the same thing in the in, in the brokerage world uh, that I'm in is the, the single tenant long-term lease uh, buildings that we're selling are getting multiple competing offers and um, and uh, in some cases cap rates lower than than um, um, pre-pandemic. Uh, what'd you say before pandemic? <laughs> BC before COVID. Before COVID. There you go. Before COVID. Um, well, what do you think the timing is, Michael? I mean, uh, you know, it seems like uh, I hear as I talk to owners and brokers who do leasing, it seems like I'm hearing they're hearing about a lot more activity. Um, uh, what do you think the timing is here uh, for uh, performance moving forward? Yeah, anecdotally, I've been hearing, you know, similar things, Michael, from from the brokerage community and, and the brokers that I speak to that, you know, for the first time in, in about a year, there there is a little bit of buzz gathering, you know, tours are starting to pick up, space tours. You know, and I, I think a lot of it revolves around the success and timing of of this vaccination rollout. It it seems that it's it's gaining momentum, and I think if we could stay ahead of that, and and there's no surges from the from the various variants, and people really adopt the vaccine, and there's that feeling of safety that, you know, maybe the second half of the year, uh, if if all goes well, that we could see, uh, you know, some some noticeable pickup or, or at least a reversal of the really negative trends. Uh, that we've been seeing, we could start to see some green shoots there. I think at this point, <clears throat> a year into the pandemic, most office occupiers, businesses, they know what their business plan is going to be going forward, whether it's going to be full-time in the office, uh, a flex approach or going remote. Uh, so I think, you know, everybody's just kind of waiting to see how successfully and how quickly we can get back to some sense of normalcy regarding, regarding the vaccination effort and, and the herd immunity. And then really start making decisions because if your if your lease is expiring in the next 12, 18, or 24 months, you you really need to start making a decision on what you're gonna do in terms of your real estate needs, you know, pretty shortly. Yeah. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see though whether you know tenants who were occupying 30,000 square feet um with a with an expiring lease coming up are are going to stay in 30,000 square feet or are they going to become 10,000 square foot users I, I think that's that's the key yeah and are they going to want more space per person than they did um pre-covid before sure. COVID, bc <laughs> yeah you know and i i think that that kind of brings up uh, another issue that you know in in my view i i can see office occupiers and office tenants being in in two different camps you're going to have one camp that is really heavily leaning towards affordability. And that's the main priority coming out of this. The other camp is going to be looking for top quality, brand new space in the best buildings, you know, with well certification, all of the health and safety protocols. And I, I kind of see that commodity space in the middle that, that, you know, B, B plus space that's asking a premium, you know, over B minus or C plus space but doesn't really offer the amenities of the class A four and five star space. I, I can see those kind of uh, indistinguishable 20,000 square foot four plates and in, in your average B building kind of, you know, suffering the brunt of, of it moving forward. Yeah, that, that is possible. And, and uh, you know, in, in my mind as a employee myself of, of my own company, but <laughs> I'm an employee and uh, you know, if you give me a, uh, even during the pandemic, you gave me a private office and uh, 
a lot of square footage per person, you know, I'd rather be here. And, uh, you know, we have 500 square feet per person at our shop and we give brokers private offices um, and uh, they, they love it. Most of them are coming in. It's making them more productive. They're happy to, to get out of the house and have another place to go. Uh, uh, and, you know, in Georgia here where we are, the, uh, you know, everyone uh, over 16 can, can get the vaccine. Um, so uh, they're, they're rolling out pretty good. So it's interesting to see uh, how fast this, this could potentially change as more and more of these uh, vaccines uh, hit around the country. The other thing I, I, I get a sense of is, you know, as you make a decision as a, a manager to keep things rolling and happy, uh, you, you make you know decisions that I that are based on right now. But you know, if if you're a, making decisions as a leader uh, that are for the good of everyone at your firm for for long term, then you got to think of productivities and careers and all these other factors that uh, really impact all your all your people. Uh, and it might be hard to make uh, the leaders to make those decisions today, but uh, leadership decisions are often hard to make. Uh, I think some of these companies that believe or, or are saying or, or even believe right now that they can do a lot of work from home, I think we're going to have some issues down the road. I mean, office space is cheap line item wise compared to your people and your turnover, your productivity, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For a lot of firms, particularly your mid-sized to, to larger firms, uh, you know, as you said, the the people are your greatest expense. It's it's not real estate. And that's and, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's why we have seen the vast majority of absorption in the last decade in that top quality class A four and five star segment of, of the market. Because it's important to have that quality space and the natural light and all of the amenities that that people are looking for, and and sure, these are difficult decisions. If if you go to a flex or permanently remote, you know, workplace, you know, that may not suit all of your employees. If if you have a a large segment of your workforce that's uh, that's younger or starting their career, and you know they're they're sharing six hundred square foot apartment with with a roommate. You know, the, those employees may not want to continue to be home after the last year of uh, of really being <clears throat> cramped up, not having a proper office. You know, sure, it could certainly work for for mid level, um, you know, mid level uh, career folks. You, you know, you have a three four thousand square foot house in the suburbs with a great yard, outdoor space, a couple of offices. Yeah, maybe a very comfortable setup. But uh, not every employee uh, has the luxury of that. And I think there are a lot of folks out there who, who are really anxious to, to get back to the office and, uh, and just have that collaboration. That's a good point. And, and I've talked to um, some executives that, that have those beautiful homes um, and uh, that were commuting an hour. And really, they want to get back to the office, even though they have a separate office and beautiful home. Uh, they're going to miss uh, being around and, and the younger people and, and the, and the excitement and the, you know, the productivity and growth. I know I learned from my young people and my young people learn from me and, you know, it helps everyone who does business with us. Um, well, Michael, what would you leave our audience with to think about for, uh, the office world moving forward? As you said before, uh, I think the question of the performance of office seems to be a bigger question mark. And, and people's mind in the commercial real estate industry really than any other sector. It seems like the other sectors, yep. we, we kind of have an idea. <laughs> the office is like, who, who can know and make a decision right now while we've just dealt with COVID for a year? 
uh, what, what should we think about moving forward? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And uh, I, I wish I had the crystal ball with, uh, with some certainty for you on this one. But, you know, I, I can say certainly that it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all narrative moving forward in the office market. For, for as much as we've heard about, you know, firms adopting a permanently remote workforce, you know, my feeling is, is that's going to be more of on the margin rather than the norm. Um, I think we're likely to see more firms ad- adopt a, a flex work model where you could have part-time home, part-time in the office. If you're working on a very specific task where you need to focus as an individual, it may be appropriate and, um, and you may be more productive, you know, spending a day or two a week at home doing that so you could focus on it. But for those collaborative efforts, for those meetings, for those strategic planning sessions that you really need to be around your colleagues. You know, I think it's important to have a place to, uh, to go and, and congregate back in the office. So I, I don't think the office sector is dead. Uh, we may see um, some structural high, structurally higher vacancy rates in the, in the near to midterm as, as people test out this remote model. And again, even at those firms that are, you know, going flex or going permanently remote, they may come back in a couple of years and say, you know what, this, this hasn't worked. Uh, you know, the pendulum swings and it always has a way of swinging back the other way. Uh, and I would, I would point to, uh, you know, the trend of densification over the last several years where we were just going to that benching concept and cramming as many people as we could into as few square feet as possible. And even prior to COVID, uh, the pendulum started swinging back the other way and uh, employees and, and managers realized, I, I think we've taken this a little bit too far. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing to say, look, Hey, the company culture just isn't working, um, over, over the course of two, three, four, five years, any, any equity we've built out, we've really kind of lost, uh, you know, we need to, we need to get back, uh, get back into the office and get some people together. So, you know, I, I would say, don't think of permanently remote as necessarily permanent and remote, uh, for those companies that can make it work great. It's a great savings. Um, but we may see people coming back uh, sooner than later and saying, you know what, we, we really do need, uh, need a collaborative space to meet. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, when I was talking about, you know, making decisions as a manager or, or, or a leader, um, I got that from Hugh Kelly. So uh, if you listeners haven't heard uh, our show last week with Hugh Kelly, um, who um, about making decisions during a, a crisis um, and how your outlook can be really skewed. Uh, check that out. Uh, we'll put a link in, in the show notes. Um, and, and Michael, you mentioned your crystal ball. I know you have one. <laughs> I want you to get out that crystal ball and uncover it because you're hiding it from your family. You want them to know that you know the future. Um, yep. if, if you had to answer the question of the timing that you think for office demand to get back to um, BC mm-hmm. <laughs> before right. COVID, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what range of time would you throw out there? Here we are in the beginning of April, 2021. You know, if I, if I had to take a somewhat educated guess, uh, I would look uh, to the first half of next year. Uh, I, I think we'll probably continue to see firms uh, shed some space uh, through the middle of this year. Uh, again, it's going to take a while to get vaccinations fully up and running. You know, companies have been pushing their, you know, start dates back in the office back to to the fall, September, post Labor Day. You know, I think if that happens and and we start to see some success, and we don't slip backwards at all with with having uh, a lot of people together, 
then uh, then I think you know early 2022 we could start seeing um, you know the the tide change, absorption come back, and uh, and our vacancy rates starting starting to tick back down. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you got the the COVID uh, impact right, and the vaccines coming back, um, and then you have these these com- some of these companies that feel like they can do more work at home, and it seems like it could take some time for those who do think that to kind of turn around and see. Uh, the detriments of that, um, uh, at least while some people can be more productive at home, there's a lot they can't. So how do you treat all employees equally when all employees don't work equally and don't have the same uh, ability to work at home? I think that overall, these companies will start coming back, but how long does that take? Then you have the economy, right? I mean, we've had a worldwide shutdown. Um, you know, if we don't have jobs and don't have a good economy, that's going to impact demand, right? Yeah, so you know, I we're all hopeful. I think that the latest round of stimulus will uh, will keep our economy uh, on the right track, uh, solid footing, and that we really do start to see some some strong, uh, if not explosive, growth in the second half of this year into next year. Is you know, while it's not specifically the office sector, we we certainly are all looking forward to to getting back and traveling, whether it's for vacation, whether it's for business to meet with our colleagues, staying in a nice hotel, going out to have a nice steak dinner at a restaurant. Uh, meeting up with our friends uh, on the weekends to to have a glass of wine at a at a at a restaurant or bar, you know, all of those things I think are very important uh, in terms of keeping our economy on the right track and getting everybody back to work and uh, and having a a real resurgence here. And um, and and you know, to to your point about one size doesn't fit all with employees, you're absolutely right. And and I think it's very difficult to be in a leadership position because even if you take a survey of your employees and a good number of them indicate that they want to continue to work remotely full-time well what happens when three quarters of the rest of the team that they're on decides that they want to be in the office and all of a sudden you have that fear of missing out where i'm only one or two people in my group of 10 who's working remotely and i'm i'm missing out on all of that face time i'm missing out on the spontaneous meetings so you know i i think uh you know that needs to be taken into account as well um you know even those folks who who say i'm i'm good working from home continuing on um, that could that could certainly change as more of your colleagues are back in the office. Yeah, and what happens when you you look at productivity after doing that, and you see that productivity's down ten or fifteen percent, which for a big company is a lot of money and a lot of problems. So, well, Michael, good information. I wish the news was better. <laughs> Me <quarter>. too. <laughs> but hey, the vaccines are out. Hopefully, things are going to change here. Michael, thanks for joining us. Appreciate the information. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Michael. All right. And, uh, well, let us know what you think. You think when these vaccines come out, everybody's want to get back out, be together. Are we all social animals? Do we want to get back to to working with people again? Well, I hope so. I certainly enjoy uh, being out and getting into an office environment. Well, let us know what you think. Appreciate you you sharing the show. And uh, please connect with us on your favorite social media. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, 
visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Core.green. Use ION technology to create a safer environment for your real estate. Visit core.green. For more commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies, visit CREshow.com.